0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. We are connected. When I hear Linda and Glenda playing the organ and it's, hear it beautifully blend together, I know we're connected. When I hear us share requests, of how we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we're connected. When we talk about spending time in the hospital and being uncertain about what's going on in our lives, I'm reminded that this group of people is connected. As we think about people moving away, and we think about people moving here, we almost know it doesn't matter because we are connected. We're connected to one another, and I am so thankful to see you in this space, through these screens, and knowing that we are connected beyond even those people that we know their names. Praise God. You know, as we think about our connection, hurricanes hit the coasts, and it affects our weather. As we watch as fires burn in California or Colorado or even closer to home, we breathe in the same air, right? We're connected. These massive global things that happen to us, in small ways and in big ways, they affect us and they show us just how important our connection is to one another. Well folks, let's get connected to the Word of God this morning. If you're able, would you stand for this reading? This longer reading, so if you, if you don't want to stand, you might need to just stand in your heart. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to start in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body are, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members and yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Those members of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe clothed with greater honor and our less respectable members are treated with an even greater respect. Whereas our more respectable, or our more respectable members do not need this, but God has so arranged the body giving greater honor to inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may be, have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, All suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The word of the Lord thanks be to God. You can find your seats. Well, I'm not sure how you feel about your body, and we're not going to go into a, a full on assessment of your body, but odds are there are certain parts that you wish felt a little better, looked a little better, worked a little better. Am I right about this? Well, not to be too graphic, but you know, I, I think about my own body and the parts that that I don't like and the one that I've been thinking about over the last few weeks that's been brought to my attention by my own family are my toes. (laughs) My bent up, angly old toes. They are not pretty and if I play a lot of basketball, if I do a lot of hiking, they look worse. They look terrible and they always have. In fact, I'll never forget whenever we moved back to my dad's hometown in Oklahoma, I was around a lot more family. And the elementary school that I was going at, I had some cousins. Well, on one particular uh, week, we were supposed to go for all these health checkups in the gym, where they check your spine, and they they check your temperature, and they see how tall you are, and all of these things. We had all of our socks off so they could weigh us and measure us. And I'm standing next to my friend Mark, who's also my cousin. and, And Mark looks down at my toes, and he says, your toes are bent up just like mine. I said, well, yeah, that's probably because we're cousins. And he said, we are? Yeah, we're cousins. It took him seeing my bent-up toes and his bent-up toes side by side and how they were different from everybody else's to know we were family. He didn't know that our great-grandmothers were sisters. And so our friendship transcended not just uh, being friends but also going to the level of DNA and bent-up toes. Now again I said we're not going to go into all these different body parts but last week in particular we were describing how God dwells within inside of us. But that's God's intention for us. And if God's going to dwell inside of me with my bent up toes and inside of you how is it that this works? How is it that we have God dwelling in the temple of me, and the temple of you, and the temple of all of us together? And so I want us to get down into this very seriously, and, and with our you know, arms really focused in on our work that's ahead of us, and to think about it. And we have to start with what's most important. And what's most important is always ahead of us in worship. It's always before our eyes. It's God. What's most important is God. God's the one we're seeking to satisfy. God is the one that we're seeking to honor. God is the one that we're seeking to worship and follow. Paul reminds us in in this passage, in this entire chapter, about how our attention is to be focused in on God. In fact, in some verses that I didn't read up in the beginning of the chapter, verses 4 and following, we find out something of the the key or the code to what's going on. There are lots of different kinds of people, but one God. And listen to how Paul phrases it. There are varieties of gifts, verse 4, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God. Did you see it? Hidden right there, in plain sight, is this focus upon God, where what's to be the same, which is God, God gets mentioned three different ways. As Father, as Lord, as Spirit, as the Holy Spirit that animates us, as the Father that gives us life, and as the Lord that is over us. So right there, we're reminded of what's most important, and it is God even though we have a variety of gifts, this hidden manifestation of the Trinity shows us what's most important, that we have this same God who, true to God's character, is manifest in three different ways, revealed to us before our eyes and into our hearts as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, that kind of lets me know that God is okay with difference. He's okay with variety, because even in God's self, we perceive God in different ways. God's revealed himself in a way that is distinct and different. So it's no surprise that all of us are different, having different jobs and different homes, having different opinions and different likes. And it's just a part of the way the world is, even trees. Trees that are so similar, they have roots that go down deep and branches that come up, they look vastly different. Even if you look at the same kind of tree, like a pine tree, how many different kinds of pine trees can there possibly be? Different ways their needles go, different way their branches grow, up or down, out, sizes of pine cones. There's great difference, and I think that God is quite fine with difference. In fact, our differences do not void and do not invalidate our oneness. It's still there. Look at verse 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, all of the members of the body, though many, are one body. One body. That difference doesn't separate us. Paul uses the example that's a little different from us of Jews and non-Jews or of slaves and frees, free people. We, We could probably throw in all kinds of things today of ways that we're different. Different ways that we hold opinions about beliefs, about how things should be organized, about our education system. On and on it goes, right? I don't have to fill in the blank there at all, do I? Especially this time of year, and of this year in particular. Differences are right in front of our eyes, and they're pushed upon us as a means to separate, and a means to be different from one another in a way that separates from one another. Well, what I want us to get serious about and think hard about is how we're supposed to view ourselves and view one another. If God's Dwelling in us and dwelling in others and dwelling in us as a body of believers, how are we supposed to examine one another? How are we supposed to examine ourselves? And so I've already mentioned several times I've got this desire to just really get in and get serious and let's chew on this text and let's work it over. Well, Paul is having none of that with me. Paul wants to crack jokes like a middle schooler who's in a sex education class. Now, you think I'm joking, but take a look at how he goes about this. He begins cracking jokes. A foot goes into a bar, says, because I'm a hand, I can't drink. That's funny! That's funny. Okay, it's not a hilarious funny, it may not fit into a comedy routine, but a foot going into a bar, that's a little odd. In this same little cluster of jokes, he says, well, an ear goes into a bar. And an ear orders a beer and says, well, I can't see the beer and I can't pour it into my ear. I mean, that's funny. It's starting to get a little more punny, right? It's kind of having that predictability of a knock-knock joke. But Paul is being silly with how he's describing this. Now I know he's not making bar jokes. But the point is somewhat the same. Where you have these body parts with a sense of insecurity. Where they're wishing for and longing for being another body part. Being able to embody the function that that body part has. They're not seeing themselves as good enough. They're wistfully longing to be another body part. They are treating themselves as less and the other person, the other body part, as more. Now you don't do this, do you? Looking at other people, and wishing that maybe you had some of their skill, some of the possessions that they have, some of the experiences that they have. We don't do that, do we? Longing for a function that might be a little more preferable in our own life, I think we're all there. I've joked about my toes, but I think we do this on multiple levels. What you need to know very clearly is that God made you. God made you as you are. There's no oopsies. God looks at you and loves you as you are. You're the way that He constructed you. You're you're created by God and for God. And God loves you very dearly. He's not waiting for you to become perfect or cleaned up or get your life together, God loves you right now. And you need to hear that, and you need to know that. You need to let it soak into the core of your bone marrow. Sometimes we think that God loves us only because of certain things about us. Or that if somehow, if we're unsatisfied with who we are, that that means God is unsatisfied. And that's not true. Look at verse 16. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Do you see how that tracks with what I'm saying? We look at ourselves and we think, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not part of the body. We can't make that determination for ourselves. God has already taken us as we are and pulls us in in love and identifies us as His children. I'm sure, we might want a more glamorous job. We might want more preferable functions, and maybe we want to be like leaders. Folks, even a leader, even a leader that's sacrificed and prepared themselves and set aside lots of time, even a leader is a part of the body. They're not the whole. While it's easy to look at a preacher or a worship minister or whomever and think, ah, well, that's really what the body is all about. No, those folks are only parts of the body. The part is not the whole. Look in verse 17. Paul starts cracking jokes again. Kind of a similar take, but it's a little bit different. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? It's kind of funny to think about this. This is more of a visual uh, expression where you think about the body being in an eyeball, a gigantic eyeball, rolling down and around the, the building. The Eugene Peterson's The Message Version kind of helps us think about this in a way that was beneficial for me. If the whole body were a hand, if this was this gigantic hand or a gigantic eyeball, that's not a body. That's a monster. I mean, isn't that a good comparison? If if it's this overgrown body part where that one is the most significant, it's no longer a body with variety and difference, but it is a gigantic monster. So longing to be something else or someone else is not valuing who God has made us to be, and it's diminishing ourself in a way that even God does not do with us at all. Well, there's a second part of these jokes, two more rounds of them that pop up. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Here things shift from kind of this internal focus on ourselves, maybe wishing to be another body part, to kind of a different joke, where we're belittling the other person, we're dragging them down. Well, we don't really need you, we don't need that body part. So, whereas the first might be more jealousy or envy or kind of this longing, this is more belittling and berating and diminishing the value of someone else. We need variety. We need differences of opinion. Well, then then it goes into something, this final set of jokes that's a little more risque. It's kind of harder for me to even think about how to spin as a joke, so don't worry, I'm not going to even try. But in this final one, we get a sense of the body hierarchy. And it's pretty common to think about the body as a sense of ranking or ordering. And so in the ancient world, maybe the eyes or the head, it's higher up the body, it's more visible. And so you might associate that with a leader, with a a teacher or a person in authority. Things lower on the body, like the feet, you might associate with someone that's serving, someone that has to do a lot of footwork. And it's easy to kind of do that. In fact, a Roman uh, a senator, whenever there was a revolt, his name was uh, Minucius Agrippa, compared the revolt of the people to it being like the mouth and the teeth having a revolt against the belly. And I don't know if Paul is capturing this, but Paul is twisting it in a way and taking it even further and talking about the parts of the body that we hide the more discrete parts, the private parts that might be thought of as the weaker or inferior parts. And Paul says, no, these are no less inferior. Even though they're not seen, this is how we reproduce. This is how we grow and expand. Now, again, I told you, don't worry, I'm not making any jokes here. There are plenty enough jokes to go on that. But with Paul, he's bringing an attention to The whole body being valuable. And the importance of difference. And I think that's helpful for me to see. I don't know about you. In this section, from verses 12 to 27, we see that it begins and ends the same way. There is one body with many parts. There's variety, but yet there remains unity. And I kind of step back and wonder if maybe Paul is helping us practically think about how to live out the greatest commandment of loving God and loving one another as we love ourselves. These things that are all very important. Loving God, loving one another as we love ourselves. It's stretching us to move this out of simply a head game into our concrete actions. And in some ways it starts with the self. To recognize that God has made you and God loves you And yes, we are this collection of wounded scars and experiences and uh, habits and traits that have made us who we are. Yes, we have a history. Some of it we have control over, some of it we don't. It was just handed to us. But God is very much at home in you. God loves you dearly and deeply and wants to go into business and partnership with you. Out of that love of self, we're moved into a love of of neighbor, love of others, where it's not about envy and jealousy, it's not about tearing them down, but of honoring them. I think one of the big mistakes that sometimes Christians make, and we are for sure guilty of it right now in this moment, is making sameness the goal. That somehow God wants us all to look exactly the same. And that God wants us to think the thing and have the same things and have the same habits, same beliefs, same opinions. when what we recognize in God is that yes, there is a lot that holds us together, there's a lot that's same, but there's something that brings to that similarity great flowering through our differences, the things that challenge us and make us think about who we are, that press us further. So the place where I want to press us further today is in some practices. Some practices that a friend and I were talking about even this week that that are just important. A practice of being grateful for who God has made us to be and being grateful for those that are around us. Like really and truly making this a daily exercise. If not the beginning of the day, the end of the day. And if not the end of the day, do it in the beginning and the middle and the end of the day. Do it all. To really and truly sit down and think about those things for which you are grateful. Don't don't make the list of all the things that you, like your toes, that you wish were different. Don't, Don't make the list of all the things that separate us or keep us apart. Look at those things that pull us together. Because as we follow Jesus, we'll see that he overcame such tremendous difference to invite us to live with him. God overcame through Jesus by the power of the Spirit much difference to empower us to act as Jesus acts, to go in the places that Jesus leads us to go, and to share this Jesus with as many people who are as different as we can imagine as we possibly can. You certainly matter. And I hope that in this weekend, as we pray for people that are going through hurricanes, too much rain spinning around. As we pray for people that are facing fires, that are bearing down, and they want nothing more than rain. As we see all these different things happening, I pray that we'll find a sense of our connection, of what pulls us together, which the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As all of us are created as children of God to live in this world of God's own fashioning, infused with the very breath of God. Let's pray. God, we need you now more than ever because, wow, as leaders, even the best are no match for the leadership that you provide. God, would you help us to live in connection with one another? To be willing to overcome the barriers and the divisions that are so small compared to the barriers that you have overcome in Christ. Thank you for bringing those walls to dust. Thank you for reminding us of what brings us together. And thank you for giving us this as a foundation for being your people going into the future. We thank you for the life that we share together through Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.